uh, go through Acts chapter 3. So I thought that it would be good for us to read a set of verses in Acts chapter 3, just so that we have a little background, a little context, and we understand what is happening there in Acts chapter 4. So you could turn the page with me back to Acts chapter 3. We'll read through the first 10 verses, and then we'll pray. It says in verse 1 of Acts chapter 3 that now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. It says in verse 2 that now a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. He had a a, a certain expectation to receive silver and gold, but what Peter says is that silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. And in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand, lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones, they received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Verse 10, then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gates of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. If we would continue reading there, we would see that um, they take this opportunity and they preach to the crowd, they preach to those that are in awe and amazement. And that is kind of the, the, the backstory, what's happening there, the context of... Acts chapter 4. So having that in mind, let's pray, and then we'll dive deep into God's word. Father, we come before you this morning, God, wanting to hear from you. We thank you for your word. God, we thank you that we could come and we could open it and that we don't have to hide it. We thank you, Father, that we could come and enjoy of your presence and not have to worry about someone coming in and taking us away. God, we pray for those around the world that don't have that same privilege. Father, we lift them up, and uh, God, we, we thank you for your presence in this place this morning. And as we open up your word, Father, we ask that you would open up our understanding. God, we, we ask you, please speak to us so that we may apply it. God, change us, transform us through your word. Thank you for this morning. Thank you for each and every person sitting in these blue chairs. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So Acts chapter 4, the first four verses, they say, Now, as they spoke to the people, the priests, the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees, they came upon them, being greatly disturbed that they taught the people and preached in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. 
Verse 4 says, however, many of those who heard the word, they believed. And the number of the men came to be about 5,000. So we see there in verse 2 that it says that these leaders, they were greatly disturbed. Greatly disturbed, the idea of being grieved by what was happening. These leaders, they were upset at what had just happened the miracle that had just taken place, they were upset. The fact that Peter and John were talking to the crowds about Jesus. That word disturbed, in the original language, it reminds us of being troubled, displeased, offended, even pained, to be worked up. And these, these religious leaders, they, they were that. They were upset that Peter and John were proclaiming the name of Jesus. It says there in verse 2 that they taught the people and that they preached Jesus. That word taught, it's to try to explain to someone something. It's to try to expound upon it. And I think of my little one, she's two years old, I often find myself trying to explain myself. No, you, you can't do that, honey. No, this is, this is the way we do this. Stop. Take, take your hands off of that. That'll break. So forth and so on. Teaching her. Teaching her what God's word says. Teaching her to, to memorize scripture even at a young age. She memorized her first verse not too long ago and wanting to grow her in, in those areas teaching her, trying to explain, to expound upon something is what they were doing. And it says there that they preached in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. See, when you preach to someone, you make something known. You are trying your best to declare it. Maybe you're even proclaiming it in front of people. You're proclaiming it publicly. I think of that group that went out to Africa, and we could be praying for them. That's exactly what they're trying to do. They have gone out, they've, you know, used of their expenses, of, 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 their, of, their, of their money to take this 20-plus hour trip out to Africa, and that's their heart, to share the good news about Jesus. They, they want to teach it if given the opportunity. They want to preach it to the people. They want to be the light in the darkness. But you see, when we teach, when we preach Jesus, oftentimes there's going to be opposition. The enemy's not happy when we preach the name of Jesus. The enemy has an issue with that. And these, these believers, Peter and John specifically, you'll see that they'll be given an option. Hey, stop preaching the name of Jesus or continue to do what it is that you have done. But the enemy, he plays dirty. And he's obviously not happy that they're sharing the good news, not happy that they're preaching Jesus. So the religious leaders, they try to intimidate them. 
They try to put their hands on them. It says in verse 3 that they laid hands on them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. David Guzik, he, in his commentary of this portion of Scripture, says that they, Peter and John, were arrested on suspicion of teaching dangerous ideas such as that Jesus was raised from the dead and for healing a man who had been crippled his entire life. Think about that. Put into jail, arrested. Why? Because they shared the truth about who Jesus was. They were given the opportunity in Acts chapter 3 to take the glory, but instead they pushed it back and they said, no, no, it's through faith in Jesus that this miracle happens. No, it was Jesus. Jesus, 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 the name of Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus. They took that opportunity, and now the religious leaders have an issue with it. They have an issue with it, and they're saying, it's your dangerous ideas. We can't have the people thinking that it's in the name of Jesus. See, you mention any other name, they'll be okay with it. Allah, Buddha, whoever it may be, they're good with those names. Mention the name of Jesus, and there's an issue, right? Because there's true power in the name of Jesus. It says there that they physically laid hands on them. And in the original language, that's to throw yourself upon someone with force. So it was forceful. But not only was it forceful, it's with the intention of seizing one to lead them as a prisoner. And that's what we see. It says that they put them in custody until the next day. So they're trying to intimidate them, right? They're trying to give them a hard time. They're trying to physically maybe even let them know, hey, we're in charge here. Hey, this Jesus you keep talking about, hey, this miracle you completed in his name, that doesn't, that doesn't work around here. That's not, that's not the way that we operate. And what we see here is that they had an opportunity. They had an opportunity to be bold, and they had an opportunity to continue to proclaim his name, or they had an opportunity to say, you know what? Maybe I should just stay quiet. Maybe I should stop proclaiming the name of Jesus. Maybe, maybe I should take a step, a step back. It says there in verse 4 that, however, many of those who heard the word, they believed. And the number of men came to be about 5,000. You see, because of their boldness, because they were willing to go against what popular thought was and what was taught amongst the leaders, we get to see the fruit there, that the number of men came to be about 5,000 people. Last time we got a count was in Acts 2, verse 41, and it says that there was about 3,000 people So people keep coming to Jesus as a result of them being Holy Spirit-led, as a result of them being filled with the Holy Spirit, them being bold and proclaiming the name of Jesus. It's a good question to ask ourselves. How many people have come to faith as a result of our lives? 
maybe within this past month, within this past year, and maybe the totality of our walk with the Lord. How many people have we had the privilege of leading to Jesus? It says there that over 5,000 or that 5,000, they, they came to believe as a result of their boldness. You see, it was popularly taught at the time that Jesus hadn't resurrected, that his body had simply been stolen from the tomb. And just because something's popularly taught or because something is said by the leaders or something is popularly understood as to be a truth doesn't make it a truth. We should look at truth through the lens of God's word, what God's word has to say about it. Not what the person to the left or to the right at our workplace has to say or what they say on social media or what our political leaders may say. We're called to pray for those political leaders. We're called to, in a sense, right, be law-abiding citizens. All that is good, and we should do those things. But truth, it comes from God's word. And just because something is said by a leader or something is said by a large mass of people doesn't mean that it's true. And here, they're teaching They are preaching the truth about Jesus. They are preaching the truth about his resurrection. And as a result of that, the leaders are like, "Mm -mm, that doesn't work here. And thankfully, like we pray this morning, we could come here and we could open up God's word. We could enjoy of his presence. We don't have to be looking over our shoulder to see if someone's going to come in and arrest us. That's, That's not us here this morning. But may I suggest that it could be? There's, there's brothers and sisters across the world that are going through that. That that is their reality. That their political leaders don't even allow a page of God's word to be within their hands. They covet just that one page that they may hold. They hide God's word to be able to open it up in secrecy. To be able to understand what it says. And we were so privileged. I don't know about you, but I own way more than one Bible. It's like my car owns a Bible. There's that Bible by the entrance of the house. There's one on the coffee table. I have one in the restroom. There's one there's a Bible everywhere. <laughs> and sometimes we grow callous to that. There's a Bible on each and every one of our phones, right? Sometimes two or three. <laughs> we have so many apps that allow us to, to see commentaries on God's word. and We don't take advantage of those things. And yet here they know the truth. They're boldly proclaiming it in front of these leaders, even though they know that these leaders, they have the power to, to really do some damage to them. It says in verse 5 that it came to pass on the next day that their rulers, it says the elders and the scribes, as well as Annas the high priest, Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, and as many as were of the family of the high priest, were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, by what power or by what name have you done this? 
Again, a scene of intimidation, trying to scare them, trying to overpower them. These are the same leaders that had recently condemned Jesus to death. They, they knew this. They, they, they tried to use that to their advantage, to try to use it to, 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 to point to them, hey, you, you can make a decision here. You don't have to continue to say the things that you've been saying. By what power or by what name have you done this? And I, I, I love that they could have just simply said Jesus. I love that they could have maybe said it quietly, maybe in such a manner that wouldn't ruffle someone's feathers. But what do they do? It says in verse 8 that then Peter, being filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has been made well, let it be known to you all, to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you whole. I want to focus in on there where it says in verse 8 that being filled with the Holy Spirit, he says this. That's a key. That, that, that is so important. It, it's clear that he's being bold here. It's clear that he didn't just say Jesus. It's clear that he didn't mumble it. It's clear that he didn't say it under his breath, Right? Not only does he say Jesus, right, but he tells these rulers, let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And he doesn't finish there. He says, whom you crucified. You went for it. He says, whom God raised from the dead. He doubles down on the resurrection. By him, this man stands here before you whole. That's boldness. And guys, boldness is, is a great thing, right? When you're Holy Spirit led. Try to be bold in your own strength and, and get yourself in trouble. Been there, done that, right? You may still try to do it in Jesus' name, but if it's in our own strength, I don't know about you, but oftentimes I'll put my foot in my mouth. I'll say something out of turn. I'll say something that shouldn't have been said in that very moment. But when we're Holy Spirit led, the Holy Spirit will lead and guide us, will give us the words, will tell us when to, when to share, when not to share, when to be bold, or when to just lead by example when to allow our lives to be the one that does the talking. That's the importance of being Holy Spirit-led. And here it's clear that Peter, being filled with the Holy Spirit, through the Holy Spirit, he said what he said. Truly incredible, realizing who is before Peter and John. Realizing these are the same men that put, that condemned Jesus to death. Realizing what the stage is. Try to, try to put yourself in these and these sandals, strap them on for a second. Think about it. Like, it's tough. I mean, not only are you wearing sandals, but <laughs> think about the people 
that are in front of these two men. And yet, they decide to go for it. And he, does he go for it? He tells them how it is whom you crucified. Tough, but incredible. Incredible to see the boldness that we can have and the result of it when we are led by the Holy Spirit. Verse 11 and 12, it says that this is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. Verse 12 says, nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved love this. What does he do? He quotes scripture. He quotes Psalm 18, Psalm 118, verse 22. And when we're led by the Holy Spirit, oftentimes the Holy Spirit will do that. We'll download those verses that maybe we've memorized, maybe even those that we haven't memorized. He'll remind us of them, and we'll, we'll, we'll share God's word. And what I love about that, right, is that these aren't just words. These aren't just a good quote. These, this isn't just something that he says that is, that is wise, but it is God's word. It was true yesterday, it's true today, and it will be true tomorrow. So when we quote God's word, we don't have to defend it. We quote God's word knowing that it is alive, that it is for today, that it could pierce them through the heart. And that's what he does. Psalm 118, verse 22, it says, the stone which the builders refused has become the headstone of the corner. Hey, it, it's, it's, it's you, he tells them, has rejected this, this stone, and now this stone has become the chief cornerstone. He tells them how it is, quoting scripture. I love it. May we purpose to memorize more scripture. Maybe start off with the verse of the day. We spoke of those applications that are on your phone. Open them up. Almost all of them have a verse of the day. Look at it. Meditate upon it. Make it your own. Sharpen your tools so that when the right opportunity arises, you can use them. And here was the right opportunity. And you see that he goes ahead and he quotes that portion of Scripture. It says in verse 13 that now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men. They marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. They realized that they had been with Jesus. It says there that they perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, meaning that they had no formal rabbinic education. They, they, they didn't... They didn't go to school for this. They simply had spent time with Jesus, and it, it was evident. 
One commentator, he had this to say, people should go to Jesus directly, but often they won't. He says the only Jesus they will see is what shines through us. He goes on to say, we must work to make the fact that we have been with Jesus as obvious in our lives as it was in theirs, speaking about Peter and John. Do we realize that here this morning? That when you go into work tomorrow, that maybe when you go and have dinner with a family member or a friend that doesn't know the Lord today, that you might be the only Bible that they will read. The way that we walk, the way that we talk, the way that we walk away from a conversation or don't partake of a joke, the way that we handle our day-to-day, you might be the only Bible that someone may read. You think about it that, that way, it kind of, it carries a lot of weight, right? The way that we handle ourselves at the workplace, the way that we interact with others, we get to be an example of who Jesus is. We get to be an example of the believer. We get to be an example of, of Jesus. Incredible. I, it carries weight again, but it is, it is so awesome to be able to be that example. And I love that. That doesn't mean that we have to live perfect lives, right? But when we mess up, we can let others know, hey, I messed up. Hey, that's not, that, that, wasn't, that wasn't a good representation of, of my walk. That wasn't a good representation of my Jesus. And people see that. And as they see that, when they're going through a difficulty, when they're going through a tough time, maybe they have a family member that's sick, their mom or their dad going through cancer, oftentimes that person, that coworker, will be the person that comes up to you and says, hey, I know we joke around about your relationship with God all the time, but that God that you keep talking about, it's the real deal. Can you, can, you, can you pray for my family member? Can you pray for this situation? Can you pray for this difficulty? And it's like, wow. It, it was, it, 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 people are realizing it. People are realizing it that it's Jesus. People are realizing it that the God that we serve is, is, is the real one and true God. They take notice of it. Man, maybe we are that Bible that they're not reading. Maybe we are a picture of Jesus. So this week, represent him well. Remember that that is who you are, a representation of him, a little Christ, to be a Christian. James chapter 4, verse 8, it says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. What an incredible promise. What are the different ways that we draw near to God? We'll open up his word. That's one way. Open up his word and enjoy of it. He'll speak to you. God's word, it's living. It's, it's for today. You can say, well, that's difficult. I, I don't like to read. Join the club. But spend time in God's word. Maybe open up that app. Look at that daily verse. Try to, to think about it, meditate on it, pray on it. Try to apply that for that day. 
And as you do that, you're going to get to know Jesus. You're going to get to know the things that he likes, the things that he doesn't like. You'll get to know those things. A lobster dinner. How many of us like lobster here this morning? Nice lobster dinner. Good amount of us, right? You would think that you present someone with a lobster dinner, that they would love it, right? Me and my wife, we've been married now for seven years, and on our honeymoon, we, we took an all-inclusive trip to Punta Gorda. And, and I found out, or I quickly found out, that that meant I could have lobster every dinner. <laughs> Not only one lobster, you can have two lobsters. So sometimes I would have two lobsters for dinner for a whole week. It was amazing. I loved it. But my wife, she had lobster on the last day, and it didn't sit so well. It, it made her sick. And from that day forward, she's not the biggest fan of lobster, right? Me, you set a plate of lobster in front of me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to destroy it. That's amazing, a lobster, right? You set that in front of her and she'll be like, hmm, I'm good. But you see, the average person in this room wouldn't know that. But I've spent time with her. I've, I, I've sat at dinner with her. I've gotten to know her. And it's the same with Jesus. See, that's, that's the difference between religion and relationship. When's the last time you sat at dinner with Jesus? When's the last time that you opened up his word? When's the last time that you truly got to know him? The things that he likes, the things that, that take him off, the things that, no, those, those aren't acceptable. When's the last time that you opened up his word and just tried to make it your own, to try to get to know him better? You call him savior, you call him papa, you call him father. Is he truly that to you? I think of, again, my relationship with my little one, right? And trying to pour into her. I pray that as I, I try to do that, that that she would get to know me and that I would get to know her. I would get to know the things that she likes. Just re recently, she just started liking ballet. I'm a girl dad. I guess I got to get to like it too. <laughs> and she has her slippers and she's watching videos with mom and she's doing the little stance. And it's the cutest thing in the world. Give her a doll. She'll, she'll comb its, its hair. She'll put it to sleep. It's super cute. Give her a ball, she's not gonna be interested in it. Give her a volleyball, I hope she plays volleyball one day or a sport, mm, not interested. But I only know those things because I've spent time with her. I only know those things because I've, I've, I've been there, I'm looking at her. I, I know the things that make her smile. And likewise, you'll know what makes the Lord smile. You'll know the things that please him the more time that you spend with him. Psalm 1 verse 2, it says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord or in his word. And in his law, he meditates day and night. Day and night. In God's word, do we delight in it? Are we spending time getting to know it so that we can get to know him, so that we can get to know our Abba, our Papa, our father. Verse 14, there in Acts chapter 4, it says, And seeing the man 
who had been healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. You see, this miracle was examined by the doubters. It's set up to be genuine. It's set up to be legit, to be real. This man, as we'll later read in Acts chapter 4, for 40 years had been lame. And yet he was standing before them. He wasn't weak at the knees. He wasn't having a hard time to walk. No, this was a legit miracle that had taken place. This was, this was authentic. It wasn't fabricated. It wasn't, it wasn't something that was faked. It was the real deal. They take note of that. The, the religious leaders, you'll see in a moment, they acknowledge that. It says in verse 15 that, but when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, that they conferred among themselves, saying, what shall we do to these men? For indeed, that a notable miracle has been done through them. It's evident to all who dwell in Jerusalem, and we simply cannot deny it, but so that it spreads no further among the people. Let us severely threaten them. The religious leaders that say that from now on, they speak to no man in his name. Verse 18, so they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. That's tough. Again, we understand who these men are, right? We understand the power that they have. It says there that they conferred amongst themselves. And it's interesting that Luke probably found out that the Sanhedrins were discussing this amongst themselves because a member of them would later become a believer. The idea of the fact that maybe Saul was a part of them later becoming Paul, that maybe because of that, he now has insight to the fact that they conferred among themselves. And what's interesting is that Peter and John didn't know who these men were in the sense that they didn't know who they would be. They didn't know that they were talking to one day Paul. They didn't know that they were talking to, they were preaching to a future apostle. They didn't understand that this would be one of the greatest missionaries in church history. They, they, they didn't understand that at that point in time. They were just being faithful. They were just being faithful. They were being led by the Holy Spirit, and they went for it. And I love that. In a room this size, fits about roughly 330 people. I know a lot of you, but there's a lot of you that I don't know. I don't have that privilege yet. I don't know if you're a doctor or a nurse. I don't know if you're a teacher. I don't know if you work for the president. I don't know who you are. I would love to get to know you. But I, I, I don't know who I'm teaching to right now. And oftentimes as God leads us, as he fills us with the Holy Spirit, has us proclaim his name, we won't know who it is that we're proclaiming his name to. It says in Hebrews 13, verse 2, 
do not forget to show hospitality to strangers. For by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Imagine that. In a room this size, we, 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 we truly don't know everyone that's in it. We don't know who's sitting in these blue chairs. And likewise, maybe you'll be at the gas station or you'll be at Publix or at Winn-Dixie and you're in line and a conversation starts and it'll lead to something greater. It'll lead to maybe you sharing about the good news and maybe someone comes to know Jesus as a result of it. But then maybe you just, you never speak to this person again. That was the one interaction that you had with this person and that's it. Who knows? Maybe that person becomes the next Billy Graham, becomes the next great evangelist or missionary. You never truly know who it is that you are sharing the good news with. You don't know the plans that the Lord has for them, that they would walk in them. It's an amazing opportunity to be able to go out and to be the light in the darkness. I'd like to shift back our perspective to these religious leaders. It says there that they could not deny it. They could not deny what had been done. And it's sad to see that the corruption in their hearts, it had gone to the point where they acknowledged that a genuine miracle had taken place, yet they refused to submit to it. And maybe that's us here this morning. We, we've acknowledged, oh God, he's real. Jesus, I'm, I'm cool with Jesus. But acknowledging it is not, it's not enough. We have to learn to walk the walk. Even the demons knew about him and trembled. And yet, we come, we, we know of him, and sometimes we take this like if it were a textbook. And it's so much more than that. Again, the reminder this morning that it's not religion. It's relationship that we get to have with God. This could be real in your life. And how do we know when it's real? Well, our lives, they begin to change. The things that we once did are not the things that we do now. The things that we once said are not the things that we say now. The conversations that we have now, they're not the conversations we used to have. And God, he continues to sanctify us, to work in us, to chip away at our hearts. He does those things. But these men have been so corrupted. They had such hard hearts that they acknowledge it as truth. They acknowledge this miracle as genuine, and they do not allow it to move them. That's you here this morning, and you've been moved by God. You realize that he's true, that he is the one true and living God. But do something about it. Later on, there'll be pastors up front. Come up and pray with one of the pastors. Accept the Lord into your life. Allow him to begin that good work. Make it more than just head knowledge. Because head knowledge, that won't get you into heaven. That won't get you into eternity with our Savior. It says there in verse 17, but so that it spreads no further among the people, let us severely threaten them that from now on they speak to no man 
in this name. So they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. Hardened hearts, that's where they were at. Hard towards the things of the Lord. They had witnessed this miracle firsthand. This man who was 40 years old, lame his entire life. I got to think that they knew him by name. They had passed by him countless times. Imagine that. Imagine seeing this man healed. Seeing this man whom then they would, they would pass by him each and every day healed and to have a problem with it. And not, not, not only have a problem with that, but to have a problem with Jesus, the one who heals him. The faith in him is what caused this, these two men to be able to lift him up and that, that he would walk and they take issue to this and they say, you know what? There's power in that name of Jesus and we have to cut it. It's so sad. They called them and commanded them not to speak at all nor teach in the name of of Jesus. Philippians chapter 2, verse 9 through 11, it says, Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and of those on earth, and those under the earth, verse 11, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Only through Jesus there is power in the name of Jesus. And that's what they try to stop. They try to stop them from proclaiming Jesus. Ever been there? Ever been threatened that you'll lose a job or that you'll lose a position or a promotion? If you, if you would just stop saying the name of Jesus. If you would just Stop quoting scripture. If you were just this or that or the third, if you would just, just lay low, lay low and you'll get the promotion. Or lay low and this, that, or the third, whatever it may be. Ever been there? Maybe you will be in the future. How will you respond? The name that is above all names. Jesus. Verse 20. It says, for we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. Peter and John, they, 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 they say, we have to speak about Jesus. Is that a truth in, in your life? Is that a truth in my life? We have to tell others about the good news. We have to tell others that there is salvation in Jesus. Is that, is that us? Is that me here this morning? I think of the, the new believer. I think of the person that, that, that comes to a relationship with the Lord. And oftentimes, they're just on fire, right? It's a, it's a joy to see the joy that they have in their face. It's a, it's a joy to see the conversations that they want to have, the way that they interact with their family and with their friends, the way that they want to tell everyone about Jesus because this Jesus has touched their lives. 
And maybe that lasts for a couple of months. Maybe that lasts for a year. But maybe you're here today and you've been walking with him for five years, 10 years, 15, 20 plus years. And maybe you've grown callous to the things that he's done. Maybe you've forgotten about the ways that he's touched your life. Maybe the joy of your salvation is just not there anymore. I love Pastor Tony Falcioni from from Finger Lakes. He would oftentimes come down and do uh, youth camps, do those camps with us. And if he saw a youth that was kind of like down or, or, or wouldn't smile much, he'd go up to them and he'd ask them, are you saved, young man? And they'd go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, tell your face that. <laughs> and that's, 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 that's good. It's good to, to, to remind ourselves of that. Man, Lord, if, if we've been down lately, God, would, would you renew the joy of my salvation? And I love that type of joy because that type of joy is not based off of circumstances. The cancer may come, the difficulties may lose that loved one. Things may not make sense. You may be fired, whatever it may be. But yet you still get to have a smile on your face. You get to walk a certain way because that joy, it's not based on our circumstances. That joy is based on the fact that we get to be saved. We get to walk with our Lord. He sees us through each and every one of those trials. I welcome you guys to turn with me to Luke chapter 8. And in Luke chapter 8, I'd like to read verses 26 through 39 with you. And what we see there in, in those set of verses is that a demon-possessed man is healed, is delivered. Luke chapter 8, we'll actually start off in verse 30. It says there that Jesus asked him, saying, what is your name? And he said, Legion, because many demons had entered him. And they begged him that he would not command them to go into the abyss. Verse 32, it says, Now a herd of many swine was feeding there on the mountain. So they begged him that he would permit them to enter them. And he permitted them. Then the demons went out of the man and entered the swine, and the herd ran violently down the steep place into the lake and drowned. What a scene we have here. It says in verse 34 that when those who fed them saw what had happened, they fled and told it to the city and in the country. Then they went out to see what had happened and came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had departed sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and with or in his right mind. It says that they were afraid, and in verse 36, they also, who had seen it, told them by what means he who had been demon-possessed was healed. Then the whole multitude of the surrounding region of the Gadarenes asked him to depart from them. For they were seized with great fear, and he got into the boat 
and returns. You see, before we keep reading there, this is the way that the multitude responds. And we know that this demon-possessed man was, was famous for having broken through shackles. You couldn't keep him clothed. People knew who this demon-possessed man was. I got to think at times people tried to, to help him out. And it was like there was no helping him. But Jesus arrives. He delivers them of this. Delivers, delivers him of, of, of all of these demons, right? And what do the people say? Just go. We, we fear what you've done here. And I love the response that we have from, from this man. He says in verse 38, Now the man from whom the demons had departed begged him that he might be with him. He begged him, Jesus, just let me be with you. Please, you, you've delivered me. You've set me free. I, think about it. These people, they saw him for the first time clothed. They saw him in his right mind. You would think that their response would be one way, but it wasn't. This man realizes, I've been delivered. Jesus is, is legit. He's the real deal. Jesus, I want to be with you. Jesus tells him, no. He sends him away, return to your own house, and tell what great things God has done for you. And he went his way and proclaimed throughout the whole city what great things Jesus had done for him. He had to tell others about what had happened in his life. And guys, he, he didn't have to do this. He saw the people come from the city. He saw the way that they responded to Jesus, the way that they told Jesus, Jesus, get out of here. And yet he still wanted to go back to his household. He still wanted to go back to those same people. And he still wanted to proclaim the name of Jesus. And you'll have that opportunity today. You'll have that opportunity this week to proclaim of the good things that Jesus has done in your life to proclaim of his faithfulness, to proclaim of the things he's delivered you from, the things that he's healed you of, the things that he has seen you through. You'll get the opportunity to go out and to be a light in the darkness, a salt in this dark world. He went his way and proclaimed throughout the whole city what great things Jesus had done for him. No matter what people may think, no matter how they may respond, no matter how they may put their hands on you, proclaim the good news. Proclaim what it is that God has done for you. I welcome the worship team to come on up. We'll read there in verses 21 and 22 of Acts chapter 4. And it says, so when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way of punishing them because of the people, since they all glorified God for what had been done. It says in verse 22, for the man was over 40 years old on whom this miracle of healing 
had been performed. They released them. They said, go your way. And again, they, they had another opportunity to say, okay, we're just going to, we're going to lie low. We're not going to, we're not going to, we're not going to ruffle anyone's feathers. We're not going to go out. We'll just, we'll stay quiet. We won't get in trouble with these leaders anymore. That's what we'll do. But no, being Holy Spirit led later on in Acts 4, if you go home and read it, you'll see that they pray for boldness. Boldness to continue to share the good news. I welcome the pastors to come on up, and there'll be pastors up here. And if you're here this morning, and maybe you know of God, you maybe can even quote scripture, but it's never turned from religion to relationship. You've never made that declaration that you want to truly live for him. Today could be that day of salvation. Today could be that day when things change. And maybe you're here today and you've been walking with God for many, many years. You've been walking with him and you've realized that maybe you're just not as bold as you once were. Maybe you haven't been sharing the good news with coworkers or with friends. Maybe you've been given the opportunity, but you've been shy about it. Come up and pray for that boldness. Pray for that filling of the Holy Spirit so that you would go out be the light in the darkness so that we can go out, proclaim, teach, and preach his name. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this morning. Father, and as the pastors come up, and Lord, as we get the opportunity to sing a couple songs of worship, I pray that you would be doing a work in our hearts. I pray that you would be Softing us to respond to your word, to respond to what it is that you've shared with us this morning. God, please help us to be that light. Help us, God, to represent you well this week. Pray for all those family members and friends that don't know you, Lord. God, please grab a hold of them. Have your way. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.